Hey, my name is Mike, and I serve on the team here, and if you are brand new today, we're honored that you have come to be a part of the story that God is writing here at Active Church, and if you would, please stop by Guest Central. Our team is waiting to meet you, and we have a free gift for you. If you've been here for a bit, you may have noticed that we have something new up front. What do you think? This is a beautiful little stage. Ray Rensink and Larry Pittman are two incredible activators that helped build this. They started on Monday and they got it done yesterday and it was fantastic. And I just want to say publicly, thank you to both of them. And Pastor Joe will talk a bit more about this and a bit more about what we're doing around here in a few minutes. But I wanted to start with just a word of prayer over you and then we'll dive into the story of God together. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for what you're doing. And thank you for what you're about to do. God, you are so good to us. God, thank you for those moments in our life where we can celebrate really spectacular things. And thank you for those moments in our life where we can return to you and come back to you because you've made a way when it felt like there wasn't a way. And so I pray in the next few minutes, God, you would renew our minds and our hearts. You would refresh us, restore us, redeem us. I pray that we would have hope in our hearts. We would experience your peace and your presence. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. And together we say amen and amen and amen. So question for you, something to consider. What do you do when you need a moment of peace? What do you do when you need a moment of peace? For me, I shift into ultimate dad mode. And I always made fun of my dad when he would do this, and now I'm doing that. So dad, if I could just publicly apologize to you right now because I'm now doing what my dad does. I shift into dad mode. I go out and I work in the yard. I mow and pull weeds and edge and trim and mulch because you got to mulch, right? Put my airpods in and listen to podcasts or listen to music lately i've just been listening to christmas music to get me in the festive mood and it's christmas music i grew up listening to that my mom and dad listened to and now i'm listening to that i told you full dad mode like i'm shifted into full dad mode and i put on an old t-shirt i put on old shorts i put on socks i pull them up to my knees i look good <laughs> And then, I, and then I know that I'm in dad mode because I take my old baseball hat, right, and I, I don't put it fully on my head. I place it kind of like on the back of my head with the bill up because that's what dads do, right? At least that's what I've seen dads do. It's what my dad does as well. And then for about an hour or two, I'm, I'm shut off from the world. And I feel like it's a moment of relief. It's a moment of calm. It's a moment of peace for me. What do you do? For some of us, we go to the gym. For some of us, we go on a run. Some of us listen to music. Some of us play music. And all of those things are, are really good things. And we do these things so that we can finally experience a moment of peace. But here's what I've noticed about my life, and perhaps it's true of yours as well, is that these peace-filled moments are moments that we work really hard in. And what I mean by that is we need to turn our attention to what it is that we're doing so that we don't turn our attention to what it is that we're trying to escape. Are you with me? Like, we have to stay focused. We have to be present. 
We've got to be in this right now, in this moment, so that we don't go back to what it is that we were doing because that was stressful. That was filled with tension. And I just, I just need a break. And we remind ourselves constantly, like, stay, stay here so you don't escape and go back to what it is that you're trying to escape from. That's why you're doing this. Are you with me? So what do you do when you need a moment of peace? And, and then I feel like there has to be a, a second question to that. And I would follow that first question. What do you do when you need a moment of peace with this question? Does it actually bring peace? Does it actually bring you peace and does it bring me peace? Or maybe for some, does it cause more work? Like you're using your brain more in those moments than you were using your brain prior to that? You're physically engaged more in this area because you don't want to engage in that that you're trying to escape? Like, what do you do when you need peace? And does it actually bring peace? Maybe you're discovering what I'm discovering as I grow in my faith and just grow as a human, that the more we work for peace, the less peace we experience. The more we work for peace, the less peace we experience. And, and if we're going to be really, really honest, I think that the things that we have called peace are not peace at all. I think that the things that we call peace are actually moments of relief. I think the things we actually call peace are, in reality, moments where we're just taking a time out, taking a break. And they're not peace filled moments at all, or peaceful moments at all. And the reason why I believe that is because of how we're approaching it. Like, what if, what if our approach is inappropriate? What if our approach isn't the best way forward? Like, what if, what if peace isn't found in picking something up, but peace is found in letting something go? Like, what if it isn't more doing? Let me see how much I can gather. But what if it's about more releasing? And as we consider that, third question for you. What would you be willing to let go of? If peace isn't found in like, let me gather all these things, and let me do all these things, and let me escape all these things, but if peace is found in releasing and in letting go, what would you be willing to let go of? What would you be willing to open your hands to? I would love to suggest one thing to you today. One thing that I believe that if we let go, we will find the elusive peace that we've been chasing for a really long time, and we'll find out that we don't have to work really hard for it, that it's a gift to you and to me. We're in a series that I've been enjoying, and we're only in the second week, but it's a series that leads us to Christmas. It's called Calm and Bright. And we're talking about how conflict is a reality in us and in the world around us. There's personal conflict and there's relational conflict. And we discovered through the story of Jesus, and we learned last week that in the midst of all of this conflict, there is a promise of peace. And it's not a, a peace that 
leads us to a timeout. It's not a promise of peace that leads us to an escape. It's a promise of peace that's found in a person, and his name is Jesus. And that peace has a title. They gave Jesus a title, the Prince of Peace. And the promise of peace shows up right in the middle of conflict. It's why there are people in your life, and maybe you're one of those people in the lives of others, where in the midst of conflict, and in the midst of chaos, and in the midst of craziness, they have this sense, this overwhelming peace about them. And you're like, what are you doing that I need to do? How are you living so that I can live that way? And we discovered that peace falls right in the middle of conflict in the Christmas story. This week, I want to talk about how you and I can live with peace. How we can hold on to peace and have it be ours because it's a gift to you and it's a gift to me. And I want to share this through a decision that somebody pretty famous in the Christmas story did and I want to learn from her. Her name is Mary. And today I want to invite you to do what Mary did. And so if you have a Bible with you, or if you have access to the Bible app on your phone, would you turn to the letter that Luke writes? Luke, starting in chapter 1, and we're going to be in verse 26. And if you don't have a Bible, or if you don't have the verses on the phone, we'll have the verses on the screen for you as well. As you're turning there, here's a bit about Mary. Mary is really highly honored in the Christian tradition. In fact, some give her saint status. There are some in the Christian tradition that say that Mary was a virgin for her entire life because they see her as honored and valuable and so that the only birth that she gave was the virgin birth of Jesus. Now, if you read history and you understand biblical history, and even if you don't fully understand it or don't know it, what you'll learn is that Jesus was as, or that Mary was as human as you are human and as I am human. And that Mary was a mom, not just to Jesus, but Mary was a mom to many kids. In fact, James, who wrote James in the scriptures, is the brother of Jesus. And Mary gave birth to James. And they had a family, a pretty large family. The other thing that we learn about Mary is that she is no different than you, and she's no different than me. And so we can honor her in our history and in our tradition, but we don't need to honor her by deifying her. We can honor her because she's as human as you are and as human as I am. And she lived a very honorable life. She chose to live a life that honored God and honored the people around her that God loved. And the interesting thing about Mary is that she was a nobody who lived in nowhere. Like you wouldn't have noticed her. She wouldn't have stood out to you. The only reason why we know about her is because she's the, the mom of Jesus. But if she wasn't the mother of Jesus, we probably wouldn't even be talking about her. Even though she lived an honorable life, she lived in the middle of nowhere and, quite honestly, was a nobody. And yet, when you are introduced to her in this letter that Luke writes, Luke raises her up in such a significant way. And I want to share with you what Luke wrote. So Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26, reads this way. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin whose name was Mary. And the angel said to her, went to her and said to her, Greetings, you who are highly favored. 
for the Lord is with you. These are big words to a nobody from nowhere. And it, it caught her attention. If, if an angel of the Lord showed up in the middle of the night in your bedroom, it would catch your attention as well, right? And he wouldn't even need to say that you're highly favored. You would just be like, uh-oh, why are you here? And yet the angel communicates to Mary she's highly favored. And we read that this caught her attention. Listen to what Luke says in verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. What are we about to get into? Where are we about to go? What story are we about to tell? In verse 30, we read this, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid. The number one command in all of the New Testament is do not be afraid. Because it's easy for us to choose fear, right? It's easy for us to run. It's easy for us to be scared, especially in moments like this when God shows up. And so Mary hears from an angel of the Lord and says, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. Because Mary chose to live a life that honored God. And although she was a nobody from nowhere, she was noticed by God. Which is why if you feel like a nobody from nowhere, you might not be noticed by those around you. But when you choose to live a life that honors God, you are noticed by your Heavenly Father. You are noticed by Almighty God. Whether you recognize that or not, whether you feel that or not, may this story remind you that nobodies from nowhere can tell better stories. And maybe that's you today. Maybe that's me today. That was Mary in that time. And then she hears from the angel in verse 31, and he says this to her, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And then we discover one particular thing that Mary did that honored God. In amongst a lot of things that she did, there was one particular thing that Mary did that honored God, and it's found in a question she asks in verse 34. How will this be since I am a virgin? How will I have a baby since I am a virgin and have not been, been sexually intimate with any man? And we recognize in that moment, in that question, she is acknowledging one of the ways that she has honored God. She has honored God with her body. And she has honored the, the God of the universe who loves us by honoring the bodies of those around her. She's made this decision from the beginning. Now, fear not, this is not a sex talk this morning. I just want you to know. So if you got really nervous, it's, don't, get, don't get too nervous. My face might be getting red, but it's just part of who I am, right? But I do think that it's important for us to acknowledge something that's happening in this story. Through the story of Mary, she sees the gift of sexual intimacy as exactly that, a gift, a privilege. Because all throughout Scripture, what you'll learn is that your body is the greatest gift that you could give away. Your body is the greatest gift that you could give to someone that you fall in love, in love with. And that God knows that and that the writers of the scriptures know that. And so there are directives throughout the scriptures about the best way and the better story of giving your body over to somebody. And that is through marriage. 
Now, I know that marriage in the scriptures and marriage today might be a bit different. I don't know if they involved the government as much as we involved the government in documents and signing paperwork and changing names and all of those things. Marriage was a bit more freeing in their time, and it was a bit more special, a bit more spiritual in that time. But the truth is, is that there is this perspective through the scriptures that invites us to share our body and hand over our body to somebody that is committed in a marriage relationship with us for the long haul. Because often we wonder if this person is still in this thing with us for the long haul. And one of the ways that we can help satisfy that curiosity is when you and I decide to enter into a biblical covenant marriage. And then in a biblical covenant marriage, we hand over our bodies to that person because we've committed to doing this story for the rest of our lives. That doesn't mean that if you're in the category of not doing that, that God dislikes you or hates you or you're awful or you're evil or you're rotten, all of those things. Please don't hear me say that and please don't hear the scriptures say that. The invitation is always to the ideal. And often many of us are living in the real. And you know what happens in the real? Jesus comes and he shows up in the middle of that. And so all of your mess and all of your chaos and all of your brokenness can be brought to him. And that's where forgiveness comes and where freedom comes. And it's why you and I can make a decision today to tell a better story, even though yesterday may have been awful. Even though yesterday we may have handed ourselves over and we shouldn't have. We didn't value ourselves in the way that we should have. And what Mary understood is what those first century followers of God understood, that this is a gift. Your body is a gift. Listen, you've been trying to convince your husband or your wife for a long time that you're a gift. The Bible says you're a gift. So if they're arguing with you, just go, you got to take it up with Jesus because Jesus, he says I'm a gift. So you better, right? Like, many of you are struggling to to think about getting a gift for your significant other because they have you for Christmas, right? Like, you wrap yourself up and put yourself under that Christmas tree, right? But what, but what, somebody, somebody, that was you, wasn't it? That was you, yeah, that was, God bless you, Tony, I love you. For, for many of us, we don't see ourselves that way in the way that we behave and in the way that we live. When, when we have the opportunity for sexual intimacy, purity paves the way for that opportunity for us to, to achieve, to get, to be satisfied in a relationship when we're married in the way that the scriptures invite us to be married and to be in relationship with each other. And, and the truth is, is that if, if the act of sexual intimacy was just a physical act, I, I don't mean to be rude or to be crass or to be dismissive of things that have taken place in you, but if if the act of sex was just a physical act and nothing more, not about handing a gift over to somebody, not about mingling our souls and our hearts together, then why are we so traumatized when somebody takes advantage of us in a sexual way? Well, the reason why we're traumatized is because they didn't treat us as a gift, and that is who you are, right? And that's why you need to work that through when that happens. It doesn't make sense when that happens. It's why you need to meet with a therapist or a counselor to process some of those things. Because when it doesn't happen the way that God has designed you to hand over that gift, it becomes frustrating. It feels like something's been stolen from you. And and I remember years ago in this church when I was a part of the young adult population, and that was years ago, and it was a long time ago. 
I remember the, the youth pastor at the time, his name was Jeff Harris, asked a really important question. I was 20 at the time. He asked a really important question. He said, let me just have you consider something. Does, does sex outside of marriage make things more complicated or less complicated? And, and I get that there might be some stories where you're like, well, it didn't make it complicated. It was okay. I, I get that, and I get that there might be some stories that you're, you're a part of, and so I don't mean to dismiss that, but what we discovered in that room and maybe what you felt because you went, because mm, you felt that, is that that sex outside of marriage does make things really complicated, and life is already complicated, and we don't need any more complications. And so that's why Mary decided, I'm just going to give my body over to the person that's committed their life to me through marriage, and only to them. She honored God with her body, and God honored her by giving her the privilege of being the mother of Jesus. Here's what Luke says in verse 35. The angel responds to Mary's question with this answer. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, that's not a great explanation. Essentially, what the angel is saying is, is that God's got this, and it's not going to come in a, in a way that you would normally understand how babies would arrive. It's not going to arrive that way. It's going to be different. God's, God's got this, and he's going to take care of you, and you get this privilege. You get this you get this honor because you've honored God. And then the angel says, let me tell you about your family member, Elizabeth. In verse 36, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. That's John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month, is going to have a baby. For no word from God will ever fail. Now, we see this as special especially if we've read this story for years, or if you're new to faith, or if you're new to church, you're intrigued by Jesus, you may have been aware of this story. So we see this as very special, but can we just be real with the real human that is Mary, who is a virgin, and now she's going to be a mama? Can you imagine the stress that she feels? I mean, those of you that have been able to have babies biologically— you know the stress that comes along with that. You know the worry, the anxiety, the thoughts that come along with that. And then for those of you that may have not been able to have children biologically, the stress of trying, like, this is not without conflict. And so we might, we see this as, oh, the virgin, oh, that's so precious. And I think if Mary was standing here, she was like, well, I'm glad you think that. <laughs> Let me tell you about me, right? She had, I think, two conflicts, two issues that she had to face. The first one was this. She's engaged, and she hasn't been sexually intimate with her fiancé, and now she's pregnant. What does she say to Joseph? And then the second conflict she's feeling is that she's, she's pregnant, and she's not married, and in this culture, that was not Good. I think in our culture today, we have become very compassionate and very sympathetic and empathetic in relationships where maybe marriage didn't bring about a baby. And yet, we can hold a posture of celebration because a life is coming, right? A son or a daughter is coming because we live in the real. And we know that God does some of his best work in the real. And better stories can be told when we choose compassion and when we choose kindness. Here's Mary wrestling with these things and maybe asking the question, what does she say to Joseph or what does she do? Because now this is her reality. Does she, does she run like we would run? Does she escape like we would try to escape? Does she avoid 
put her earbuds in, pull her socks up to her knees and mow the lawn? Like, is that what she's going to do? Because that's what we do in those moments. And the reason why we do those in those moments is because when there is conflict, our first inclination is to try to take control of something. What can I take control of? Because we like control. And control is the belief that things will go better with you in charge. So let me do it. Just let me finish it. You know what? I'll, I'll solve it for them. Some of you might be that type of personality, and we love you. We're thankful for you, because in those moments where things are conflicted, we need you to step up. We need you to take the lead. But isn't it true in moments of conflict, we feel the pressure in our own stories, and it's a part of the conflict that we're experiencing, that, man, we, we need to take control of this, because it feels like it's out of control. And control has power over you. I don't know if you know that or not, but control has great power over you and great power over me. Control convinces you that everything is a project and you're the project manager. Now, I want to be clear about control for just a moment. I think that there are things that we should take control of. One in particular, you and I should have self-control. That is a fruit of the Spirit of God. We should have self-control. And the way that that teases out in our lives is we should have control of the words that come out of our mouth. We should take control of the thoughts that we have in our head. We should have self-control with our body. You and I, we should have control of those things. Those are things that we should take control of. But what we do in conflict is we don't take control of those things. You know what we try to take control of? We try to take control of expectations. We try to take control of outcomes. We try to take control of other people. And I've experienced, I don't know about you, but I was not created to control any of those things. Because I can't control any of those things. The expectations of others, the outcomes in my own life, and in particular, other people. I have kids. I know that I cannot control other people because I have kids. I know that. And maybe you do too. Maybe you're a teacher. You know that you cannot take control of other people because you're a teacher. You're an educator. You understand that. And I think often in our conflict, we try to take control of things that we were never meant to take control of. And maybe that's why we're more stressed. And maybe that's why we're not experiencing peace. And perhaps Mary felt this. I'm sure she had all sorts of scenarios running in her head. She's a mom, and what do moms do? Moms are going to mom, right? Moms are going to take control. Moms are going to try to figure it out. And maybe Mary had those moments where she went into mom mode. And here's the truth about control. Control is really a coping mechanism when conflict shows up. If I can't solve this, then give me something to solve. If I can't fix this, then I'm going to fix you. <laughs> and that's often what we do in moments of conflict, and it's why we're not experiencing peace. And so my question to you is, if you're in that rhythm of life, how's that working for you? Like, are you better? Are they better? Are you growing? Are you developing? Are you becoming more mature as a human and as a follower of Jesus? Is there growth taking place in you? My guess is probably not. And here's why. And if you missed everything up until this, mo this moment, don't miss this. You can have control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. You can have control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. 
And maybe part of the reason why you're not experiencing the peace of God that's found in a relationship with Jesus Christ is because you're in control and not the God who created all of this, who is in real control. You're trying to control outcomes and you're trying to control expectations and you're trying to control other people. You can have control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. And I wonder if Mary wrestled with that tension. And, and, and I wonder if she realized, like, I want to honor God in all ways, not just in one way. And I think what we hear her say next helps us to understand that she moved in the direction of Jesus. She moved in the direction of her Heavenly Father. Because her answer to all of this, when this angel shares with her that she is going to be the mother of the Son of God, and she's a virgin, that she's about to give birth and all of the things that she was feeling, all the conflict that she was experiencing, and all the control that she wanted to take, listen to her words in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I don't fully understand how this is going to work. I don't fully get why you chose me. I'm a nobody from nowhere. And I have this conflict in me, and I want to take control, but I realize that that's not the best way forward because I want to grow. I don't want control. And so I am your servant, so may your word be to me. May it be true. May it come to pass. May it be fulfilled. No control, just surrender. And that's beautiful because peace, peace is found in surrender. Now, surrender isn't sexy. Surrender is not what we talk about. Surrender doesn't necessarily connect itself to leadership, being a strong parent, or being an incredible boss, or being a great whatever. Because we have looked at surrender in ways that perhaps is inappropriate. But when it comes to our relationship with our Heavenly Father, surrender is not giving up. Surrender is not passive. Surrender is not, I'm just going to wave the white flag and I'm going to settle. Surrender is very active. Pretty on brand, right? It's, it's active. We're involved. Some of us, we give up way, way too easy. We're a victim. So we surrender. Instead of being victorious in our relationship with Almighty God and then choosing to surrender. The invitation for us is to choose victory. So we bend the knee to Almighty God and say, may it be to me as you have said. May your word be fulfilled in my life. I will surrender control so that I can grow. I'm not going to try to control this. I'm not going to try to control them. I'm going to allow you, the God who is in control, to lead me. And that is so beautiful and that is so freeing. Because it invites you to be the person that God has created you to be. It invited Mary to be the person that God created her to be. And one of the things that God created her to be was to be the mama of the Son of God. To be the one that brings the Savior into the world. And because Mary chose surrender, she was able to grow. And surrender is beautiful. Because Mary chose surrender, she was able to experience peace. And peace is wonderful. In fact, we get to see what peace sounds like in the prayer 
of Mary. After she hears that she is going to give birth as a virgin to the Son of God, who will be the Savior of the world, will be the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and will redeem not only the world, but will redeem her. Her Son will forgive her sins. Her Son will set her free. She's going to be the one that brings that, that individual, that person into the world. And she hears all of this. And she just thanks God. And Luke records her prayer in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 46. And this is from the message version of the scriptures, a particular interpretation from a man named Eugene Peterson that takes the words and drops them into our real life, helps them to sound like today's language. Listen to what peace in Mary sounds like. I am bursting with God news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. God took one good look at me, and look what happened. I am the most fortunate woman on earth. Would you say that? <laughs> if you got this information, this is what peace sounds like. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. The God whose very name is holy, set apart from all others. His mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe before him. He bared his arm and showed his strength, scattered the bluffing braggarts. I've never used that in a sentence before, but I'm going to start after today. He knocked the tyrants off their high horses, pulled victims out of the mud. The starving poor sat down to a banquet. The callous rich were left out in the cold. He embraced his chosen child, Israel. He remembered and piled on the mercies. He piled them high. It's exactly what he promised beginning with Abraham and right up until now. This is the prayer of Mary after hearing what the angel had communicated to her, after surrendering control, she found peace and it set her free. I am able to do what God has created me to do because I'm not trying to write the story. I'm not trying to narrate the story. I'm not trying to control the story. I have let go of all of my power that I thought that I had and I have said, God, you are powerful and so would you lead this and would you lead me? And her heavenly father said, yes. And that's the story of Christmas. So back to our original question. What if peace isn't found in picking something up, but letting something go? What if it's opening up your hands? What if it's opening up your eyes? What if it's opening up your heart? What if, what if peace is found when you bend the knee? That's what's so beautiful about today is that in just a few minutes, we're gonna see men and women, young and old, choose to get baptized. And the beautiful part about baptism is, is that they're not getting baptized to their Lord and Savior, active church. And they're not getting baptized to their Lord and Savior, Mike Frisch. Dear God, don't do that. <laughs> They're bending the knee in a very public way to Almighty God who sent His Son for you and for me. This water isn't magical. This water doesn't save you. This water is a symbol of you saying, God's done a good work and I cannot keep it inside of me. And so I'm going to acknowledge the work of God publicly. He's done a great work personally and I want to go public with it. 
And that act of baptism is perhaps summarized in these very simple words. God, I can't. But you can. So in the meantime, I'll surrender. And I'll, and I'll surrender in whatever way you need me to surrender so that I can be who it is that you've created me to be. Friends, you can have control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. And so what if you relinquished control today of outcomes, expectations, and of other people and decided to entrust your story in a very public way to the God who is in control? What a beautiful way to celebrate Christmas by choosing to go public with your faith through baptism as Jesus invites us to do. For some of you, this will be the first time that you make this decision. And in just a minute, I'll invite you to move back to your left, my right, to meet with our team. But for some of you, you, you've held off on this decision simply because you felt like you weren't ready, you weren't perfect, you didn't know enough, or whatever might be the case. And what's beautiful about Almighty God is that he receives you just as you are. And I would rather do life with Almighty God than to do life without him. And today is an opportunity for you to say, listen, I've got this mess, I've got this chaos, I've got this story behind me that perhaps I've taken control of. And today I want the God who is in control to lead me, to direct me, to guide me, to help me to be the person that I was created to be. And so in just a moment, I want to pray some words over you, and then when we're finished, I'll invite you to stand, and then I'm going to count to three. And those of you that have signed up to get baptized, when I count to three, I want to invite you to move to my right, your left, and our team of activators will be there to greet you. They have shirts and shorts, and they're going to pray for you and help you get changed, and then you'll come out and we'll baptize you, and it'll be beautiful. But I know that there are some of you who didn't plan on getting baptized today, but you need to get baptized today because you've been in control and you've been in conflict and peace is on the other side of you opening up your hands and opening up your heart. In the midst of the conflict, there is a God who is the Prince of Peace that is available to you. And so I want to invite you to consider. Consider Him. And consider choosing to get baptized in a very public way as you think about Him today. Let me pray some words. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity that we have to tell incredible stories through the act of baptism. And thank you for the right and the privilege that you've given us to be able to make this decision on our own through the stirring of your power and your spirit. So God, I pray for those that are going to make this decision in just a moment. Would you give them the courage to say yes? Would you give them the confidence that this is the best decision and the best story to tell? And would you not allow them to live in condemnation from their past? Not allow them to live in the mess of the choices that they've made in the past, but help them to discover that the best way forward is with you and with the people that you love. So I pray, God, in the next few minutes, the hearts that are stuck will get unstuck, that the minds that are confused would be clear, and that you would be
be our courage and our strength. And that we would make a decision today to move in your direction through this act of baptism. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray all of this. And together we say amen and amen and amen. Would you stand to your feet if you are able? This is one of my most famous moments. It's famous because every single time, every single time we ask people to move, God stirs their heart and they move. God makes a name for himself in these moments. It has nothing to do with you or me or the worship team. It has everything to do with the power of God. And so I love these famous, famous moments of God and how God moves in ways that we don't expect and we don't anticipate. And the reason why he moves in those ways is because we have surrendered control. This is also one of my favorite moments because to watch those that I love and those that I'm learning to love and those that I'm getting to know make a decision to move from where they are to where God is inviting them to go is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so in a moment, I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, those of us that are not getting baptized, would you let out a celebration like you've never celebrated before? And for those of you that have decided to get baptized and we've talked, you've signed up on the count of three, I'm going to invite you to move. But for those of you that maybe came in this place not planning to get baptized, but now you're thinking about getting baptized, I want to invite you to move as well. We've prepared for you. We have shirts and shorts for you. We have towels for you. We have people in the back for you. We are ready for you. And I would love to see you respond to the power of Almighty God in this place. So one, it's time. It's time for you. It's time for me. Two, get your courage up. Get your energy up. Get your strength up. You ready for this? One, two, three. It's time to move. Let's go. Let's choose baptism.